Sunday, January the 7th. Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Okay, we're going to talk about the Daniel Fast for a moment. What I'd like to do is just set up what I think is the main idea for the next three weeks. Okay, there's going to be loads of stuff going on that you can dip in and deep out of and stuff. But this, for me, is the main idea that builds on the threads of everything that we've been doing uh, last year about our hearts and our divided heart and all of that stuff. So we're kind of building a sense of where God's leading us. And it is the single thread that I think runs through the next uh, uh, few weeks. And as um, Claire was saying, it's not about the food, but it is about the focus. What can I do? What can we do over these next few weeks uh, to sharpen our focus about what God's doing in and through our uh, lives. Our theme is loving God wholeheartedly. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. That's the invitation or the command or the challenge that Jesus gave when someone effectively said, what's it all about? What is it all about? Is it about songs and chairs and buildings and meetings? Is it about going here or going? What's it all about? When you strip it all away, what's it really about? And Jesus said, look, this is what it's about. And it's the same thing that God's been communicating to his people the whole time. Because way back in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, you knew that, was the ancient Shema, the ancient prayer that God's people would pray day and night. The Lord our God is One, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Jesus says, that's it. It's the same thing right from the beginning that goes all the way through, the thread that runs right the way through. And it's not surprising, is it, that that when you strip everything away and Jesus explains what it's about, he puts it in relational terms. Because we know that in the beginning, before anything else existed, in the beginning what? God, and we know that God was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So in the beginning, there was this community, there was this relationship. The thing that's always existed is relationship. And so it's no surprise that at the end of the day, when the, when everything else is stripped away, uh, and what's really important is defined, it's defined in relational terms. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Notice that it defines with the word all, everything, all of your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And it helps us understand what the all is. Hebrew and Greek talk about the heart, the soul, and the mind in different ways. There are different words that are used. The reason we have four words in English is because our words are not as expansive as either Hebrew or Greek. 
If you take the thread through the scriptures, there are essentially three components that the Bible talks about that makes up the true self. The mind, the heart, and the will. And what Jesus is saying, and what the quoting the Old Testament uh, Shema was that you need to love God with all that you are, your whole being, everything about, every aspect that makes up your true self. The mind, the heart, and the will. And perhaps we might want to think about it in a way that we can remember it easily. It's about the head, the heart, and the hands. Hands being a, a metaphor for what we do, for the will. Yep, so we've got the, the mind, the heart, and the will. So far, so good? It's cold in here, isn't it? I'm sorry that it's cold. I'm sorry that the heating in the church center doesn't work either. Um, I'm distracted because it's cold, and now I've distracted you by the fact that I'm cold, and you're probably thinking that you're cold. And so at least we're all cold together. So there's a sense of community and togetherness in being cold. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Head, heart, hands, the mind, the heart, and the will, or we use other words to talk about it, our thinking, our feeling, and our deciding. Now, some of us are thinkers, aren't we? Some of us are feelers, aren't we? Mm, Some of us can't decide anything. Uh, And then there's the left brain. Talk about our thinking brain. We use the language of right brain, which is our kind of feeling, creative type, and our choice, uh, or our understanding, our heart. So all these different words are expressing the same thing, the same components that make up our true self. And Jesus is saying, you've got to love God with your whole being. Now, in Western Christianity, we've made a big mistake. Now, we can be gently critical of Western Christianity because we're part of it, so we're a product of it. We're not criticizing others. We're saying we've inherited this thing and we can see some stuff that we perhaps we, we need to learn from it. So in the kind of tradition that I grew up in, all of these things were quite separate. So I loved God with my mind by making sure I believed the right things, that I was theologically true. And that's how I loved God with mine, and that's how it was often talked about. Do you know, do you believe in one God, Father, Son, do you believe in his Son, Jesus, and the Nicene Creed, and all of that kind of good stuff? Nothing wrong with that, absolutely, really important. So this idea that I, that I love God with my mind by thinking theologically, and then I love God with my will by striving to do the right thing. And I don't know what your tradition was like, but doing the right thing was summarized as don't swear, don't smoke, and don't have sex. And if you have to, make sure you're married. <laughs> Who grew up in a church like that? Yeah, thank you, Margaret. I know quite a lot of us, yeah, do you know? <laughs> if you have to, make sure. Uh, you heard it here first. And then feelings. Feelings were largely ignored until they exploded. You know, and the great thing about church life is you had these explosions of feelings every now and again, you know, and uh, all kinds of schisms and stuff. As if they are kind of separate entities. How does the Shema get introduced in Deuteronomy? What's the first phrase? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, is one. There is a profound unity about everything that God has made because there's a profound unity about who God is. All of these are not separate boxes that I tick. 
I've got my feelings right, I've got my behavior right, I've got my thinking right, but they are all connected. There is an interplay between all of them. If I'm to love God wholeheartedly, I'm going to have to bring all of these ideas together into every moment. They are all involved in the same act of love. That's the most important thing about this whole three weeks. They are all involved in the same act of love. It's not that I love God by sometimes getting my thinking right, or I love God over here by getting my behavior right, and I love God here by feeling right. They are all involved in the whole thing every time. That's what it means for us to be wholehearted. That's what it means for all of us to show up. And so let's uh, just, just stick with those words of head heart and hands. Remember, heart, hands is, is your will. It's what you're choosing to do. It's what you're putting your hands to. It's a metaphor for, for our, our, our will. If we focus on one or two of them, we do not get the desired result of loving God. If you love God with your head and your hands, which has been typical Christian tradition, I'm told what I should do, now I'm going to strive and do it. Anyone ever felt like that? You must try harder. Come on, try harder. And don't sin. Stop it. Yeah? And so we easily get ourselves into some kind of, you know, in this area here, some kind of behavior management. And we've talked a lot about that this last year, haven't we? Say yes, Simon, even if you don't know what I'm talking about. It'll encourage me. Yeah, it's okay to lie sometimes just to encourage uh, uh, the person speaking. Behavior management, right? So we're, we're kind of, I'm thinking in my head, I should do that, and I'm going to try and do it. Others of us get quickly into, um, and that's not, not fairly true of our cultural environment, but we criticize other cultural environments by being emotional. I don't want to be part of that church because they're all emotional. let's be frank, we don't ever get close to being emotional or over-emotional. Yeah, that's not going to be our bag, all right? But imagine for a moment that we lent into emotionalism. Can you imagine? God forbid that we should head that. And basically, you feel something in your heart, and then you go and do it. That's kind of in this space here, and that's kind of impulse. What's the problem with impulse? It dies very quickly. It's not sustainable. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so you, you get very excited about something. And some of you will recognize this in your behavior. You get very excited about something, but you burn out with it as quickly as you get excited. Anyone know what I'm talking about? I'm not looking at anyone in particular. Just, I don't. That can be some of our reality. Yeah. Now, head and heart, okay, this begins to push us in the right direction. I understand what God is asking of me. And I'm willing to engage my heart with it. But head and heart on its own, without some kind of plan, without some kind of will, quickly also gets lost. So many of you will have left here with an idea of something that you wanted to do and never actually done it because you never engaged your will with it. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Imagine you have a friend that comes to church, listens to a sermon, thinks they're going to do something and then doesn't do anything about it. Can you imagine that scenario playing out for some really bad Christian? Yeah? 
But there is a kind of, I think, there is a kind of um, process. Head, heart, if I just think it and I don't feel it, if my head and my heart are in conflict, which is going to win ultimately? Your heart will ultimately win. You can make yourself do some stuff that you're thinking in your head when your heart's not in it, but it doesn't last for very long. Have you ever tried to love someone that you really don't like and you just tried harder at it? How did that go? doesn't take long before your heart takes over, okay? So head, we need our hearts to be engaged, and then we also need a plan, a rhythm, an action, a frame of what I'm actually going to do about it in order to move things uh, forward. So you can see how this works. So we need all three to love God wholeheartedly, all right? So take, um, I preach, imagine, a brilliant sermon on the fact that you need to be a good witness to Jesus. Can you imagine that? You know, and you're totally in there with me, can't hear a pin drop, I've got your full undivided attention, and we're thinking, yes, you know, I've got to share Jesus with my friends, my family, my work colleagues, whatever it is, and you, and you know that's what you should do. Yeah. And so you decide that this coming week, uh, that's what you're going to do. But actually, you come back next Sunday having not done it. And the reason most of us think what we should do, uh, so I know what God's saying, and I know what I should do, but I don't do it, is because we don't acknowledge the feelings. So the feelings in the mix are, actually, I'm terrified of sharing Jesus with my friends. I fear being rejected from my work colleagues. I fear sounding like I don't know what I'm talking about. And so because of the feeling, I end up not doing something that I know that I should do and perhaps I even want to do. Does that make sense? And you can apply this to any example that you like in discipleship. So take about, think about prayer, for example. In, in your head, I'm assuming, generally speaking, you know that you should pray. So a sermon telling you that you should pray is pretty useless, isn't it? Because you knew that before you came. Am I right? Yeah, so, so, but, but you'll come anyway and you'll listen to me droning on because it makes you feel good and me feel good and we all go home. But we know that. We've done that. We know that's what we should do, okay? And we even can create a plan. Do you know what? I'm going to really start praying. So I've got my head engaged. I've got my will engaged or my hands engaged. But if we don't acknowledge our feelings... So somewhere inside you, hey, I'm disappointed. God hasn't answered that prayer. I've been praying that for a long time. And I feel let down by God because he hasn't come through for me yet. That feeling will ultimately control your response. And you probably won't pray with much of your heart because you want to protect yourself from being hurt. Does that make sense? And so it's only as we deal with all three aspects that we can actually move forward and seek to grow as uh, disciples. I mean, take the Daniel fast. Um, I know I should. So that's head, isn't it? These good Christian people are suggesting that this is a good thing to do. I know I should. But maybe you've already decided that you won't because once you had a go at doing something and... You failed at it, so you feel shame and guilt. And you don't like feeling shame and guilt. I mean, let's face it, who likes feeling shame and guilt? So I don't want to feel shame and guilt, so it's easier for me to avoid it. 
So instead of starting, it's better not to start. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And we get stuck. So whenever we don't engage with one of them, we get ourselves stuck. And so we need to grow in a discipling journey when we're investigating and exploring before God each aspect of who we are that we might love God wholeheartedly. And so we've had these discipleship questions, haven't we, for a long time. What is God saying? You know that one, don't you? What's the next discipleship question? What are you going to do about it? So your, your will, what are you going to do about it? But we need to ask another one. What am I feeling? And then what am I going to do about it? Because if you miss out what you're feeling and don't honestly address how you feel and allow Jesus to minister to you at the place of where you feel, what Heather was saying earlier on, you feel hurt, feel disappointed, feel wounded, feel fed up, feel tired, feel whatever. Unless you deal with the feeling bit before God, we'll never actually uh, embrace all three and have a wholehearted response of loving God. Does that make sense? So one of the things that we're going to do through uh, the Daniel fast, so we're going to read John's gospel. We're going to read um, uh, a chapter a day. There are 21 days in the seven, uh, in the three weeks of the Daniel fast. How many chapters are there in John? That was a really good guess. Well done. 21 chapters. So there's a chapter a day. Uh, and uh, But I, I was going to say, I don't care. I, I, no, I don't. I genuinely don't care. Read the whole chapter. Read the first verse. Read a little bit. Read the second part of it. Read any bit you like. Read it upside down. Read it English, Welsh, or Scottish, or whatever you want. The thing is, where's God getting my attention? Okay? And when you've worked out where God's getting your attention, just ask these three questions. It, it's, it's super important for us as a journey as a church that these three questions just become part of the way that we respond all of the time to what God's doing. Does that make sense? Yeah? Traditionally, I grew up, it was all about what you thought. And we were so pleased that we weren't like the Pentecostals, which was all about what you feel. And we need to bring all of that together and go, actually, I need to think, I need to feel, and then out of my thinking and my feeling, I need to act, because that's the only way for me to be sustainably transformed and to love God wholeheartedly. Let's sing, shall we? Sound like a good idea, Jack? Simone, you up for that? Let's, um, as you guys get ready, let's just be quiet for a moment. And maybe you just want to think about the Daniel fast. What is, what is God saying to you? That might come like an ought. But remember that you need to just then to begin to acknowledge the feeling. Why do I feel like it's an ought? Why do I feel like that, that this is something that God's putting on me that's oppressive and hard and life-draining rather than life-giving? What am I feeling about it? How do I begin to make sense of what I feel. If I allow my heart to speak, what would it actually say? And then in the light of that, what, what am I, what am I going to do about it?